So in case you didn't know, uh, this wasn't in the title, but it was in the description. This is where my heart and my passion is, is that we use this incredible gift of healthcare to work towards movements. Now, a movement is where a church is planted that has the DNA in it to reproduce. And all over the world, these kinds of churches are reproducing on the average of every 8 to 12 months. Now, that is unthinkable here in America. We've never seen that happen. We'd think it was another national revival if it did. But in many places of the world, churches are regularly reproducing themselves every year. Those are called either church planting movements or disciple making movements. But the idea is that they're not static. They keep reproducing. Let me ask you a couple questions and I'd like to get some feedback from you. you, Is your dream to vaccinate multiple thousands of Berber children against preventable childhood diseases or to launch movements of missional communities, another word for church, the church should be the outpost of the kingdom to expand the kingdom, among Berber people who will reach all the Berber for Christ and who will themselves turn around as believers of Jesus and agents of the kingdom and vaccinate their children too. Which do you want to do? Thank you, you're in the right class. Is your goal to treat 5,000 TB patients among the Bedouin of Jordan? And there have been plenty of people with great hearts that have been trying to do this. Or to establish reproducing Jesus communities in the desert that actually bring the kingdom's blessings to all the Bedouins and who themselves, as Bedouins, become the hands of Jesus serving TB patients among them. Or another one, is your ambition to establish and or staff emergency clinics for the never-ending flow of refugees? 1.5 million Syrians now. Or is your ambition to launch out-of-control movements of simple churches that sweep through a people group and serve their sick as part of being the church. Here is a beautiful hospital. I don't want you to know where it is. I've changed the picture enough that I don't think any of you could tell. I love this hospital because it happens to be a place where my daughter went as a nurse. Seven decades of ministry. They have delivered babies probably... Maybe even some of Osama bin Laden's children at one time. Uh, They have done tremendous work in this area and they have brought great fame to the Lord Jesus over these seven decades. Millions and millions of dollars have gone into this hospital. Now, I don't know enough about it to know what their real vision is, but I do know that they would like to plant churches. I don't know of any national churches that they've planted. This is reality. They have served well the sick. They have done things in the name of Jesus that I'm very proud of. But they have not managed to plant churches amongst the local people. Here's another organization that has got over four decades of work. And I purposely blurred it and changed it so you don't know where it is. Because these are saints that will have great rewards in heaven for what they've done. But I know a lot about this because we've sent a team from our church here. And that organization that does does this had a goal in planting this and establishing this hospital to start many, many churches amongst this people group. 
They've been at this over four decades. They believe they've seen a thousand Muslims at some time over those four decades pray some kind of prayer. They don't know what really happened. There are zero churches planted. Now, that's not for lack of trying. And and in God's eyes, trying means a lot. Because to David, God said the fact that you wanted to build the temple was great, even though you never even laid the cornerstone. So there's nothing wrong with this, but maybe there's another approach. This is a quarter million dollar dental vehicle that goes out into the areas. When it was first delivered by Samaritan's Purse, it had the -the state-of-the-art equipment. They have yet to plant a church. Versus, this is the story I'll tell a little more of in the next session. This young guy has had two weeks of dental training from a doctor from Chicago, from Oh, I think he's from Chicago. Anyway, the doctor went over for two weeks, trained him and a half a dozen others. And these young guys with minimal training and coaching, but lots of church planting experience and with the power of the Holy Spirit have gone into Muslim communities and planted church after church after church. Which churches have turned around and planted other churches which have planted others and they are saturating their people group with the gospel. I blurred all the faces in this picture because these are godly, godly people from a large mission organization, all national. They are working in, well, yeah, they work all over Africa. So I'll tell you, right now, this particular group is working in Nigeria amongst the Muslims. They have probably got over 200 full-time workers amongst these Nigerians. All Muslims, all working amongst Muslims. When we traveled with them earlier this year researching their work, we could not account for a dozen churches after some 20 years of work. This was one that we visited and it turned out to be an animist community, not even Muslim. Now, it's not for lack of trying. They are doing everything they can, but they haven't figured something out that God is teaching his people today. I shouldn't say that they haven't, but they are now. They're beginning to realize this because... Uh, This is another gentleman in this same area who's telling us how hard it's been in his area and how he hasn't been able to plant a church yet, how he longs to do so. In his same area is this guy from Sierra Leone. His name is Sylvester. And some of you may have even heard him because he travels through the States occasionally. Sylvester and his team have gone into Nigeria and in the last three and a half years... They've planted 180 churches amongst the Fulani, 210 amongst the Hausa, the resistant Muslim Hausa, and another 107 amongst the Kanuri. There's a difference between the first and the second. Same God. Here's a story from Ethiopia area. And uh, I want you to see that I was here. This is not made up. While I'm visiting with these church planters, this guy begins to tell me his story. And here's his story. Oops. (laughs) That's not going to work. I love Chris Bode, but not when I'm trying to play you a video. (laughs) 
እንደ ሚተናከው ዘዋዋት ተከለው ተከለው thousand foreign Muslims came to treasure Jesus in less than six years. Tarakan and a friend planted 13 churches in about that many years. And then they received training in disciple-making movements and, what was it, 70 churches in nine months, something like that. This is happening regularly around the world. Now, we can be a part of this or we can praise God for it, but I would rather do both. These are 72 sheikhs, Muslim sheikhs, that are all going down to the water together. They're Muslim, like Bible school students, graduates, and they're all going down to be baptized. When, when God said over and over again in the Old Testament, my, my goal is that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. This is what he was talking about. Whole people groups coming under the sway of the kingdom of God and being transformed. So what accounts for the difference? And believe me, it's not just team. There's not any one factor. But I have 30 minutes to tell you so many things. And so I'm just going to focus on a couple things. Strategy can make a huge difference. And when you're forming your teams or when you're joining a team, Please make sure you're on a team that shares your strategy for movements. One of the huge debacles is where you get a team made up of somebody that wants to plant a church or start a clinic or run an orphanage and you've got somebody else in the team that wants to launch movements. And that's a sure bet for friction and leaving the field early. So look at this picture here. I want to ask you a strategic question, and I'd like some feedback from you. After many years, a number of Muslims received baptism. These new Muslim believers love to worship using the guitar. And in this particular culture, the guitar is a well-respected instrument. It's not foreign. So my question to you as a team, medical or otherwise, Will your team encourage or discourage the use of guitars for their new churches? How many say discourage? How many say encourage? All right, let me tell you the rest of this story, and you'll understand why strategy is so important. If you look at this picture, these people are all in sheets. There's a reason for that because these are the only clothing they own. Many of these folks cannot afford a second set of clothing. 
That's just true in much of the world where we're going to work. And so if they're baptized in their clothes, then they're wet for the whole occasion. Now, let's imagine that Robert starts a church right here amongst these wonderful Muslim background believers. And as a wise doctor, he gives his old guitar to them and says, you guys learn music that you like to sing, which would be a very wise thing to do. And they learn to love to worship God with this guitar. And then eight months later, they come over to the next village and they plant a church here. What do you think this church will want? And eight months after these two churches each are worshiping God, they will plant another two churches. What do you think those churches will want? And what do you think the chances are that people who cannot afford a second set of clothing could ever afford $10 for an old guitar? And you have very effectively stopped a movement by one guitar. Here's the rule of thumb. I only have time to give you one strategic point. Don't you do anything today that the nationals can't do tomorrow without you. Now, I don't know how exactly you apply that when you're a surgeon. But I would certainly think hard about it because if your goal is to launch movements, you want to do everything in a totally reproducible way. I remember teaching some folks in northern Bangladesh and I went to grab some paper from a booth that looked more like a woodshed than a stationary shop. And in it, in the back, was some paper like we would use. You know, this nice smooth paper that Robert's writing on. But most of the paper there felt like you could get splinters if you rubbed your hand on it. It was cheap Bengali paper. Of course, I grabbed the set that was nice like I use. And then I thought, wait a minute, is this reproducible? Probably not for my Bengali students. For them, to afford the nice paper is probably out of their league. And so if I set the standard of using nice paper, when they go and try and train their churches, guess what they're going to want? In every way, we must think in terms of reproducibility. And that's why someone here who said they wanted to get some training before you go, I say, bless you, because we need to learn to think reproducibility if we're going to go into the world and see movements launched. All right, so how does one form and prepare a team for long-term health care missions? We've got 10 minutes before I want to throw it open for discussion. And honestly, this is not fair to ask someone to do something like this in 10 minutes, but I want to give you a couple ideas. And if you're going to look at my ideas and you're going to say, what, why did I come for this? Let me just tell you, I've been training people to go for many, many years. I started TOAG almost 15 years ago, where we train groups of people every year to go. And over the years, trying to figure out how to adequately train teams to go and launch movements, I have shifted my focus from strategy to passion for Jesus. As much as I believe that strategy is critical... I believe that American churches are not producing terribly passionate people. And we have got to address that if we're going to go to the difficult world. Someone over here said they want to go where nobody else is. If you're going there, 
You're going there because nobody wanted to go there in the past. That's why nobody's there. It's not going to be easy. And if you aren't head over heels in love with Jesus, don't go. You're going to go as a salesman and you're going to burn out. Your delight has to come from sucking life from Jesus, nourishing yourself absolutely. So, here's some ideas. This is actually a team leader that pulled a team together around them to go to uh, Muslim people in, South, in, in East Asia. I think there has to be a champion, somebody that says, in eight years when I'm finished medical school or whatever, I'm going to call a team together and we're going to go, whoever said it here, for more than just a little while, we're going to go for 20, 30 years, praise God, that's what we need. You're not going to launch movements in four or five years. You take that long to learn the culture. But here's someone that says, we're going for broke, we're going to get the training, we're going to pull people around, and they did. And they pulled in a pediatrician as part of their team. And they took their whole families with them, and they're all on the field now. But this couple drew this whole team around them, and they spent lots of time. They formed a little TOAG group, where I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute, where they trained each other. They learned how to work amongst Muslims here in the States, and now they're all on the field serving in a totally, not only unreached, but previously unengaged people group. Unreached means there's very few Christians. Unengaged means there's nobody even trying. Nobody's bought tickets to go to that people yet. That's where they are. So what would this team do? You're thinking of training your agency. I'd, I, I mean, obviously, 10 minutes is not enough, but here's a few ideas. I think that the champion has to help the team grow in a passion for Jesus. We just can't send people over who think Jesus is nice. That's just not good enough. Everything about his invitation to us is not just believe in your head. It is come and devour me. All of his I am statements are saying you must get super intimate with me. The great invitation of Jesus when he says believe in me means what he said in Matthew. Come and yoke yourself to me. And we've got to get yoked to Jesus real passionately before we go. So I would suggest that every day before you go as a team, you start doing obedience-based Bible studies from the Gospels to stimulate Jesus' discussions amongst yourself. That's an hour discussion right there. Obedience-based means that when you're done with the Scriptures, you always ask, how am I going to obey this? Never just look at the scriptures. This is the words of eternal life, said Peter. So we come to them to obey them. And then we do this together. So the whole team is studying the same passages about Jesus because they want to discuss Jesus together every day normally so that when they get to the field, they discuss Jesus every day normally. You see, evangelism is not giving out the four spiritual laws. Evangelism is sharing what is passionate in your own heart. Everything about Jesus. And so people who have regularly been living in the words and ways and works and worth of Jesus, namely the Gospels, and who are familiar and talk about it together when they get to the field, guess what? It's natural to talk about it with the Hindus or the animists or the Muslims that you're with. But you won't switch just because you get off the plane on the other end of the ocean. He's got to become our 
passion of discussion here. You've got to get past duty to delight. Please, this is so important. If Jesus isn't your delight, if you're not gossiping about him, if he isn't something that fills you from inside so that he spills out, don't go. He's first got to become your delight before you can pass on that delight to others. Secondly, read books together that inflame your hearts. As you're forming these teams, find books that make Jesus look really big to you and really super to you. And I don't need to give you the books. There's all over the place. I would say, learn Jesus stories. Let's say I'm this dentist. I'm not going to tell you this story here, but and I'm drilling on teeth all throughout Sierra Leone. What am I going to tell them while I'm drilling on their teeth? I'm not going to tell them, point one, you're a damn sinner. Point two, if you believe in Jesus, you can go to heaven. Point three, if you don't, you go to hell. I'm not going to tell them that. I'm going to tell them what Jesus told people. And everywhere Jesus went, what did he do? He told parables. He told stories. Everywhere he told stories. If he had a certain topic, he told a parable. If he had another topic, he told a parable. Why aren't we learning from Jesus? So I would say during this training period, learn the stories of Jesus. Learn them well. We think it's actually wise to learn them word for word. Get them down perfect. Because for most of your audience in most of the world, they're going to be, if they can read, they won't read. They tell stories. And so how you tell the story will become their Bible. So get it down perfectly. Learn the key stories. And then as part of this, the champion needs to help her or his team share those stories regularly. I say cousins because that's where I work amongst Muslims. But whoever you're amongst, share those stories here regularly. The last hour in this class, the gentleman talked about the amazing refugee populations in America. We've got every people on earth here. You can have plenty of opportunities to start here sharing many, many stories of Jesus. Don't go until it's normal for you to talk passionately about Jesus. Let me say it another way. Don't go until you've gotten really excited about telling stories of Jesus. Listen, the reason most of us hate evangelism is because we've dumbed it down to four points. And we've forgotten that the gospel is not Good Friday on its All of Jesus. Every gospel is called the gospel because what's in Matthew, what's in Mark, what's in Luke, what's in John is the gospel. So pick all of that story or any of that story and get in the habit of telling it. And you'll find that that is so much more fun than telling people they're a damn sinner going to hell. You have to get to that. But let's start with the rest of Jesus as well. Okay, secondly, I think the champion needs to help the team digest and imbibe what I'm calling DMM, disciple-making movements. No use going over if your goal is to plant a church like this. Praise God for this church, but this is not going to happen in most of the places where you're going to go. If it is, it will get blown up real quickly. So, one book I will recommend is this one written by... City team uh, called Miraculous Movements. This is the story, uh, subtitle, how hundreds of thousands of Muslims are falling in love with Jesus. All over Africa. And I have traveled for the Sky Foundation 
intensely, and I know that these stories are true. I've seen, in fact, the opening story in this book is of Sheikh Hanif. You just saw a video clip that I interviewed him before this book was written. I know these are true, but there's so much to learn. If your team wants to go and launch a movement, read something like this and dissect it and then start living it. In the back, he shows you how to do Discovery Bible Studies, which is a church that can reproduce. It's just an amazing idea that God has unlocked for us to use all over the world. Here's another. Please don't go thinking that you know it all before you leave. You gather your team together. You decide how you're going to use medicine to launch a movement. That's study two, unfortunately. But you realize that you probably know it here and not here yet. Too much stuff is up here and not in our hands. And so I strongly encourage teams, when you're on the field, six months, a year, or maybe 18 months, once you've got the language down, go and get this six-day disciple-making movement training. It's offered all over the world now by organizations like the one I work with, Frontiers, Pioneers, that's a great job. And of course, City Team that came up with the idea. Let me take that back. God came up with the idea. City Team just caught up with God. But they can train you in these disciple-making movements. Because again and again, I'll tell you, I just was in, uh, I won't tell you where, but I heard the story of a work down in Malawi that had worked for years and years and years and amongst relatively easy people had planted seven churches. Then they got the DMM training and in the next several months they planted several, seven more. I mean, that's not tremendous growth, but it's exciting when you see years and years and you finally get these seven little churches up and then you start doing something a little bit differently and boom, you got seven churches in four months. So get that training. And then, thirdly, and you can take off Muslims here. I'm sorry, I speak mostly amongst people going to the Muslim world, but this would be true of any place you go. The champion helps the team to share Jesus with those people here. It's a myth that we think a ticket will make us into evangelists. Airfare does not change our hearts. So I encourage you to invest a hundred hours in face-to-face time with your people group, building redemptive relationships and sharing the gospel of the kingdom. And the champion of the team, that's what you're going to have to do on the field champion or team leader, so do it here. Get your team to regularly, always be talking about Jesus with your people group. Let them learn to go through that process. See, The problem is that we've gotten scarred by evangelism. We've gotten burned by this thing called, go out and tell them you're a damn sinner and there's a way out of this. So you can get out of hell. And that kind of evangelism has left scar tissue in our souls. And you have to push through that scar tissue until evangelism becomes really fun. I I know I could get you all riled up if I started talking about football. Because somehow we know it's fun, guys, to talk about football. But Jesus is far more fun. We just haven't pushed through that scar tissue until the topic of Jesus is good news. Some of you are looking at me like, you're crazy, Nathan. And I've taken 
hundreds of interns through this 10-month process. And I've watched them look at me the same way at the beginning of the year. And by the end of the year, they're nodding their heads. Because they realize that we have this reaction against that E-word. It's terrible. And then we move past that until talking about someone we really love and treasure is fun. So don't, don't think you can't do it. You can, pass, you can work through that as well. Just a few more things and I want to open for questions. However you go, don't go alone. That doesn't mean just you, but also go under an agency. I think that there is a huge need yet, as Ralph Winner, the father of modern missions, has said. If you go alone and you are your own leader, you have a fool for a boss. Do you hear that? If you're leading yourself, you have a fool for a boss. We were made to be in community. And the church is different than the agency. Ralph Winter has done a lot of study on this, what he calls the, I don't know if it's sodality or modality. Some of you help me here. But one of them is the church. The church takes everybody and cares for everybody. If you can get here, you're welcome. The modality, the one that sends, has to screen and say, no, not everyone can go to the mission field. And so a modality is very different than the church, but we really need what those organizations. And I speak from someone with experience. I pastored for 30-some years. We sent multiple teams to the field, and our initial teams, long-term teams, crashed because we didn't have a modality to help us on the field. So please go with an agency. And if you're thinking of pre-formed teams, I don't know of any agency better than Frontiers. They have mastered what we call church-based teams. Granted, these teams are from one church, like the one I just showed you. Here's another church-based team, now up in North Africa. But these teams have learned to do a lot of things together here in the States before they go over long-term. And as far as I know, Frontiers is doing a really the best job on helping Preformed teams get to the field. All right? And lastly, I would strongly encourage you to consider some kind of an internship. Now, those of you that are in the medical profession, you probably think, no, not another year of school. And uh, I don't know what the answer to that is, uh, especially if you've got kids that are nearing seven, eight, nine years old, and you've got to get them to the field if you're going to stay there long term because they've got to adjust to that culture before they get their teen years. It's not fair to bring a 13-year-old girl and say, come on, now let's be a Saudi. Oof. But if you can, build into your track of going. Get into some kind of... This is the recent retreat I just came back from where we taught crucial conversations. We spent the whole weekend wrestling with how do we have these tough conversations with each other when things go wrong. And then for the next nine months, this group that are all living in sock distance where they can walk to each other's houses in their socks, they're all in community, they practice this all the time. When they're not, you know, in the hospital or massaging somebody. I mean, they're all busy. They all have to work full time during this process. But they're learning to be a team and launch movements when they get overseas. All right, let me see if there's any questions. Miraculous Movements by Jerry Trousdale.
Jerry Trousdale, T-R-O-U-S-D-A-L-E. Short read, great read. Read it again and again. Discuss it as your team. Work through it chapter by chapter. And then start applying the principles in this. Training ordinary apprentices to go. It's ordinary in that we're not saying go to seminary. We want you to be in full-time work or full-time school while we train you after hours to go. Yes. There is one. There was one in Atlanta. I don't think there is right now, but they're in 20 places around. Some of them are called launch. Some of them are called tag. But there are groups all over. Yeah. They're established places. But the whole idea is it's. Remember, we want to do everything in a reproducible way. So we've developed it so that it can be planted anywhere. You can start it with your team wherever you are. We can come in and train you to actually do it right where you are. I, I will say this though. The TOAG is especially built to reach Muslims. So if you're going to focus on Hindus, you're going to have to add to the idea, which can be done. Others are doing it, but it isn't my skill. Yes. Yes, I pray for you. <laughs> well... I would probably ask a lot of questions ahead of time. I, I might ask my team, have you read something like this? Or Church Planning Movements by David Garrison. Or his next book that's coming out next month, uh, Nine Rooms of Islam or something like that. I mean, get them to read some of this stuff about these movements and then say, where, do, where are we on this page? When I first sent our first team from our church to Turkey, our MOU, our, our organizational statements said we want to plant a cluster of vibrant reproducing churches. I was using Steve uh, uh, George Patterson's terminology. But in my heart of hearts, I know what I was thinking. Maybe, God, we can plant three churches. There's 75 million Muslims in Turkey. What's three churches? So at that time, my vision was very, very small. Now I'm praying for 50,000 toplanta, or little churches in Turkey. And that's what you want to find a team that has that kind of a vision. It doesn't mean they'll do it any more than David got to build the temple. But it was good, says God, that you wanted to. There's another question. Yes. Besides Frontiers, what other mission organizations are looking at this? Oh, Pioneers is all over the map on that too. Yes, very good. I think others are, but I don't know for sure. I'm, I just happen to know those two very well. Pioneers and Frontiers both, and City Team, they both have built into their DNA, we will train all our people to think of movements. Yeah. 90-some percent, yes. Oh, so glad. Okay, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask all of you. How many of you this week, what's today? Good, okay. How many of you this week have been trying to obey something that you were challenged to do from the pulpit last Sunday? Raise your hands. This is weird. No, literally, I don't mean ethereal. I mean you're actually trying to do something you were challenged to do from the pulpit last Sunday. Can you tell me what it was? So we had a guest pastor come in who talked to us about 
So what did he? What challenge did he actually give you to do? What practical thing are you doing? Okay, I'm not going to embarrass you. Here's my next question. How many of you next Sunday when you go to church will have somebody clearly ask you how you did obeying what you said you would do the last week? Are you guys in TOAG? I've asked this question many, many times and over the years. Originally, nobody would ever raise their hand. As the years go by, I see more and more people. It's catching on even in the West. But the fact is, most of us are not thinking in terms of obedience. We're thinking in terms of knowledge. I mean, even this, I will, could be very much I will, a, a, a knowledge-based thing. In these churches I showed you, they have a book. You can go to every one of them in Sierra Leone, and they will show you the passage of Scripture that they studied each week along the way and what the I will obedience steps were that they took from the Scriptures. Now, which do you think is going to produce more disciples? That or making a decision? It's hands down. These obedience-based fellowships are producing godly disciples that will suffer anything for the cause of Christ. I was first introduced to the Sierra Leone by the pictures of one-armed people who had lost their arms because of sharing Jesus. And I realized these guys are for real. Yes? I think you could do that. Yeah. Um, here is one of the strange things about teams is you don't want your team to be too successful, too strong. You want your team to be weak enough that you desperately need the nationals to join you. This is my whole topic next hour is that healthcare professionals, please don't go do it yourself. If you want to see movements, empower the nationals and empower the nationals that are going to launch movements. And maybe having a team that's quite diversified would even facilitate that faster. Yeah, I know I don't think you'll have to be doing the same thing. You need your team much more at first than even later on. Sorry. So um, I'm a surgeon, and you know, we'll have to be hospital-based in order to use my practice. How do you see this you know, in a surgical or in a hospital-based setting? Does anybody have an easier question to ask? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm glad you're asking. I'm, I, was, I was talking to Jason about this. Is there any way you could figure out how to do that? But there is a group in Sierra Leone, uh, in uh, Senegal, that has a hospital in uh, Thake. I'm forgetting the name. It's one of the big towns. And then they have lots of church planning teams around them, and they use that hospital as a base. They seem to be pulling it off really well. But the, the, the hospital, in fact, I think at this base now, the foreigners have trained all nationals. It's a 100-bed hospital, and I think they're pretty much all, they're not necessarily from Senegal, but they're pretty much all Africans who are uh, staffing the hospital. But they've done a good job because they're partnering with these key thinking church planters that are going out regularly and planting these churches amongst the people. So something like that might be good. But you also may have a, a base where you are doing your surgeries and then there's some things you're training these church planters to do so that you might be able to give them, like Jason and I were talking about, maybe you train them to do suture wounds. 
obviously they're not going to do an appendicitis on the field. But if some guy knew enough how to do suture wounds, and then he gets on his motorbike and he goes back into the places where we could never go without causing a scandal, and while he's bandaging up these wounds and doing minor surgery, he is using Shema statements, telling Jesus stories, inviting to discovery Bible studies. It could be a win-win. That'd be very exciting to think about. Yeah. I would just say, I mean, as a former missionary working in Malawi and Zambia um, with an organization that's been there long term and has a well-established church presence, um, you know, as a medical professional myself, I would encourage you guys to go and visit other organizations that are there and see how they're using ministry. Um, and healthcare as a bridge to the gospel in their work settings, uh, because the, you know you can learn a lot from mm-hmm. instead of having to recreate the wheel and kind of come up with your own program or how you're going to do something. I mean, there are a lot of organizations that have. There are it's just find find the organizations that are launching multiple churches. Don't because most of the hospitals, like in Bangalore, we stayed in the huge Baptist hospital in Bangalore. They're closing it down now because it's multi-million dollars of investment, but they're not reaching their people. It's not doing what they wanted to do. And so the Southern Baptists have you know, the godliness to say, listen, this is a great work, but we can let, let the Indians do this and we can move on to what we were called to do, which is establish the kingdom of God, which will also include what Jesus did, healing all their diseases and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Two more minutes. Any other questions? So do you have a tool that uh, somebody that's putting a team together can use to improve cohesiveness and communication among the team to spread your head? Well, the best thing I know of is called Crucial Conversations. Uh, If you don't know the book, it's used by 300 of the top 500 Fortune companies, and it costs a ton to get trained in it. So it's not cheap. Now, you can do it cheap. We do it in TOAG for nothing. We've, we've uh, leached off of the website enough that we put the program together. But it's, I think it's really good because it trains people how to have those painful discussions that lead towards good decisions. And it really works. Again and again, I'll have my interns say, the rest of TOAG is just learning how to apply crucial conversations. It really makes me feel good about everything else I train them, but <laughs> at least they get that down. So. Yes, and that may be what you what you actually do. But what my experience is growing up in Africa, I'm from South Africa, is that we generally train them to think of Western churches. So they go and establish a building in a church that, you know, might 20 years later spawn a daughter church. But they're not spawning the Book of Acts. And so, in, as part of the training of these medical professionals. They've also got to be trained in going to their people and doing things that we think are almost impossible, which God is doing all over the world. One more question. Um, do you have to have a team to enter an internship like No, no. Can they help you? Yes. We actually think that in TOEG is where you often... You, you may not find your team in TOEG, but you'll find what you need in TOEG. 
like often what happens is people come in and they, re- they think they're one thing and during the process they realize my gifting is quite different. Our team leader to the Middle East recently, when he entered my toy, I didn't think of him as a, as a leader at all and he just shone in the process that when he would give ideas, I'd notice that the other interns would listen. When he'd give a plan, they would do it and he ended up taking a team, did very, very well in the field. So this is doing life. These interns will do about 15 well, let's say nine hours all the time together and lots more than that because they're doing life together. So they see each other in all different environments. They really see where the sins are. They see where they need to grow. They help each other grow. They do ministry together. So, All right, bless you. Enjoy your rest of your day.